Thank you, Amanda, for the reading to us this morning. It's very appropriate for what we're going to speak on this morning, and that is joy. For most of us, the last two years have brought many changes into our lives. However, when we look back, although there have been some difficult times, we can still be thankful for God's blessings and his faithfulness to us. As Christians, we're encouraged by the fact that God's love and his promises to us never change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And the message of Christmas has also not changed. It is still a message of hope, a message of love, of peace and of joy. And today we're going to put everything aside and concentrate on that one word, joy. Christmas is such a joyful time as we reflect on the twofold wonder of God's gift declared by the prophet Isaiah. And I'm going to read this because we know it so well, but I'm still going to read it. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We realise the depth of the Father's love when we understand that Jesus was not just a child born, He was a son given to be the saviour of the world. The fact alone, this fact alone is enough to fill our hearts with real joy. When we listen to the news or read the newspapers or watch TV, there seems to be very little joy about these days. There is so much hate. There is so much fear. And this causes so much distress. And we have to stop there. What makes a difference for us as Christians? What is the basis of true Christian joy? And I believe that it's at this point when God became part of our lives. When we realise that we're a sinner before God and asked him to forgive us and to cleanse us and to come into our lives. That is the cause of real joy. I can hear you all saying amen to that. Yes. It's a new beginning and your new life journey with God, isn't it? And the wise man knew this. Matthew tells us that the wise men rejoiced with exceeding joy when they saw the star that they'd followed for so long. And so had come to rest over that building in Bethlehem. Matthew does not even attempt to describe their feelings or how they felt at that time when they entered and saw the the child birth. Perhaps their joy was too great. It was holy. It was mysterious. It was even even defined in human words. It was a joy before all calling. And surely this is the joy we feel 
went after our earthly journey comes to an end. And we, like the wise men, will see Jesus face to face for the first time. A verse of a Christmas carol comes to my mind. Not in that poor lowly stable, with the oxen standing by, we shall see him in heaven, set at God's right hand on high. The angels knew about this joy. They said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you news of great joy that will be to all the people. It wasn't for the selective few, to those who have lived a good life. It was to everybody, all included. And today in, in Bethlehem will be born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And here we have a twofold cause for real joy. Firstly, that God has come to us and made himself known to us. And secondly, he has come as the one who will redeem us from our sins. And these two foundations of our faith, the true knowledge of God and the accompanying knowledge of salvation, if we accept all this, are historically linked in the Bible as the basis of our true Christian joy. Let us look at joy in our relationship with Jesus. Joy is a key part of the Christ-like character described in the Galatians 5 as the fruits of the Spirit. A lot of you would know that. Love, joy, peace, suffering, etc., etc. But joy is the central theme. Joy is the fruit of abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And just speaking hours before his death, in John 14, Jesus has already promised his disciples peace. Now he tells them they may also have joy, complete joy, fullness of joy, overflowing joy. And this joy comes from remaining in Jesus' love and which comes in turn from obeying his commands and following him. We read in John 15, 9 and 12, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Then he goes on to say, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy shall be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Hey, that's good news. One of the most important teachings Jesus gave to his disciples was about abiding relationship of the vine and the branches. Jesus being the vine and we are his branches. There is no way that we can know the joy of the Lord without abiding in him. And this requires time. It requires an ongoing prayer time, talking to him. We cannot abide with him unless we talk to him and listen to him. Now you see, Jesus doesn't just give us joy. He is our joy. He is our joy. And if we ever become detached from the vine we will automatically wither and lose some of that joy. We cannot 
produce joy on her own. Any more than a branch that has been cut off can produce fruit on its own. Instead, quite the opposite happens. It becomes brittle, it becomes dry, it becomes hard. And we lose the life that produces fruit because we're not connected. And just as the peace that Jesus gives is different from the peace that the world can give, so his joy is different from the world's joy. For it is a joy that does not depend on earthly circumstances. Yes, at Christmas time we give presents and through the year we give presents for special occasions. But all these are temporary. The joy that Jesus gives, it springs from an eternal relationship with him. A relationship in which he shows his love by dying on the cross of Calvary. And we delight to show our love and to bring him joy by obeying his commands. And so to love and to be loved in return, even in a human relationship, brings joy. But how much more joy than to love and to be loved by the King of Heaven? And this is what enabled the prophet Habakkuk, bless him for his name, but he declared, in the midst of famine and total despair, with a crop failure and loss of livestock, he could still say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. What a testimony he had. He will be joyful in God his Saviour. David. The psalmist experienced this joy. He says in Psalm 35 and 9, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. The prophet Isaiah also knew this joy when he wrote, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. The Apostle Paul, he also knew this joy. In Romans 5 and 11, he says, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All these men, and many others that we read about had something in common. They knew God and they had a personal relationship with him. They had a personal joy with him. They experienced it. It became personal and truly means that something wonderful had taken place in their lives. Something wonderful certainly took place that night in Bethlehem when the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The Bible tells us that Jesus was God in human form. He was a man. He was fully and completely a man. But he was more than that. He was the son of God. He was not just a godly man. He was God 
himself, wrapped up in human flesh. And this is what we celebrate each year at Christmas. When the angel Gabriel prepared to the Virgin Mary, he told her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the Holy One to be born will be called Jesus, the Son of God. We must remember that the baby born in Bethlehem was not a son of God. He was the Son of God, uniquely sent from the Father to become our Saviour. A Saviour from sin, who was both fully human and fully divine. And this is important because only a divine Saviour can save us from our sins. An ordinary man could not save us. Like us, he would be a sinner needing forgiveness. But because he was God as well as man, Jesus was without sin, perfect in every way. And thus he alone <clears throat> could bear our sins at Calvary. And therefore being grounded in knowing God and knowing his salvation, Christian joy is an eternal joy. Isaiah told of everlasting joy and Jesus promised in John 16, 22, you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul was a wonderful example of being joyful. No matter what the circumstances he found himself in, he wrote this letter to the Philippian church while he was even in prison when he was shackled with his, by his hands and his feet, he could still be joyful. He could still sing hymns and praises to God. Paul had found the secret of complete trust and faith in his Lord. He was able to accept whatever situation he found himself in as being part of God's will for him and to retain that joy and peace within himself. Paul calls us to center our joy on the Lord, to make him our focus. He says in Philippians 3, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It must have been important. He repeated it so many times. And you see, the Apostle Paul also understood the joy as a state of mind characterized by peace. It was a confidence in life that was rooted and grounded in faith. We see that Paul's understanding of joy, of joy was more than emotion. It was more than just a feeling. It was an ability to see beyond any particular event to the sovereign Lord, who stands above all events, and ultimately he has control over them. And when we realise that joy is the fruit of a relationship, not an activity, then we have the ability to truly rejoice in the Lord always. I believe that joy comes from a living, 
a vital relationship with God. It comes from knowing that this world is only temporary and someday we will be with God forever. It comes from the fact that although we do not see God, in the words of 1 Peter 1 and 8, we believe in him. We believe in him. So that neither does the cause of Christian joy, Christian joy change. Jesus is not only the source, but he's the cause and the focus of Christian joy because he does not change. Everything may change around us, but God does not change. And the joy that Jesus promised and prayed for in John 17, 13, so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them, this fullness of joy, this everlasting joy promised by the prophets is ours. It is part of the salvation. It's the blessings we have through knowing Jesus. Nehemiah the prophet, he says it so well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah spoke these words to the exiles who had returned to rebuild Jerusalem. Obediently, the people calmed themselves, began to eat and drink and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known unto them. But how can joy give us strength, just like Nehemiah the prophet says? As we have seen, Christian joy, the joy that Jesus wants to give us, comes from the knowledge of our eternal relationship with him. This relationship is based on the undeserved favour of God that we call grace. That is the love, the mercy and the forgiveness freely offered to us. Because of Christ's atoning death. It is by grace, as the Bible says, that is through grace that we are saved and that we have that secure and loving relationship which in turn gives us the unshakable, the unquenchable, the inner gladness of Christian joy. Grace gives us strength and grace gives us joy. So by grace, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Excuse me. I have some hidden things here. Why is it then that sometimes our joy can be dimmed? Why is it that sometimes our joy can grow lukewarm. How come sometimes it'll even grow cold? Why do we sometimes feel that we lack that true joy which should be part of the Christian experience? Why? David the psalmist had a close relationship with God. Yet David went through a time when he felt abandoned by God. God was still the same. He still loved David. God hadn't moved. David had moved. He had sinned against God. 
and he realised how bad it was and he confessed his sin, admitting his need of forgiveness. And in Psalm 51 and 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It was a cry from his heart. Maybe we'd be a little like Peter, another one who walked close to the Lord, one of the disciples, but at one stage in his life, he followed Jesus at a distance. Sometimes it's just part of testing our faith. Job experienced this in many times. He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his business, his health and everything he owned. And he was a very rich man. And yet Job prayed and prayed. And God heard his prayer and blessed him far more than what he had before. How important it is for us to rely on God's promises during these times of testing and doubting. It is during these times that we're reminded that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and that his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning and God is always faithful to his promises. Bring back the joy. Where is the happiness we knew when Jesus came to stay? We wanted then to tell the world, good news, Christ is the way. Yes, our hearts were overflowing, for we loved the Saviour so, and we promised to be faithful, but it seemed so long ago. We wanted then to share our joy, tell others of his love. With sparkling eyes we sang his praise and prayed to God above. Our Bible was read every day. God's Spirit filled our hearts. Has that fire been extinguished? Have we lost that wondrous spark? How many people know we're His? Have we told a single soul? Can folks see by our example that a heavenly crown's our goal? Bring back the fire, bring back the joy. Let's commit our lives anew and tell someone you're a Christian. God loves you. You'll feel joy when you do. You see, if we look to our circumstances to find joy, we will live on an emotional roller coaster, coaster going round and round and round and round. But if we look to the Lord and rejoice in his unfailing goodness, we will move from weakness to strength. I think we have all experienced joy sometimes, mingled with a little pain. During our years of fostering children, we shared the joy of adoptive parents who had sometimes waited for years to have a child. And I can still remember them coming up the path, looking a bit worried, but when you handed the child over, their lives were just full of joy and love for the little one and the tears be running down their faces. And yet we experienced a little pain with it because we had to say goodbye to someone we had come to love and nurtured for so long. So 
you can have a little pain and still have some joy. What joy the Lord Jesus brought to his father's heart as he died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin and giving us back to the father. We hear his voice as he looked at his son and he said, this is my son who am well pleased. Yes, he was well pleased. Can we rejoice in what the Lord Jesus has done for us? If we have never accepted his salvation, we have nothing to rejoice about because we don't know him. How true that is. But for those who do know him, do love him, do follow him, have everything to rejoice about. There is another unexpected aspect to joy. God himself rejoices in us. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Oh, how good that is. How good that is. I don't know how the good Lord could sometimes take great delight in us, but he does. The Lord rejoices in us because he endured the cross. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are told to rejoice in the Lord always and in the hope of the glory of God. This is not some vague promise, but the wonderful inheritance that is going to be ours. In Romans 15, 13, the Apostle Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the great joys of Christmas is the hope, the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. When he brought to mankind, this is in John 14, tells us this, and through Christ, we have a new birth. We have a living hope. We have a great inheritance that can never perish. God's power to shield us and to remind us that our faith is of greater gold. These things fill our life with great joy. And in closing, I'm going to share a poem with you. It is written by Dorothy Dial, simply entitled, Joy. When God finished his creation, morning stars began to sing. When Christ came to bring salvation, skies with angel voices rang. Heaven and earth rejoiced together. God had joy in all that he had done, in creation and redemption through the death of his dear son. Over each repentant sinner, souls for whom the Saviour died, 
God delights, exalts, rejoices as a bridegroom over her bride. Unto each of his new children, man or woman, boy or girl, God bestows his Holy Spirit, his own love, peace and joy. His, the joy we have in nature, joy he gives in answered prayer. When a loved one comes to know him, boundless joy with God we share. When the trials of life beset us, problems bound or suffering drain, we may learn as faith grows deeper, joy can coexist with pain. Jesus, for the joy that was before him, he bore the cross, despised the shame. Let us rejoice and share his suffering for the glory of his name. Joy can triumph over sorrow. Soar over circumstances grim. We can face each dim tomorrow with our confidence in him. Inexpressible and glorious is a joy that fills our hearts as we contemplate the future, nevermore from Jesus to part. May the message of Christmas fill all our hearts with renewed joy this year. And as we celebrate the miracle of the Saviour's birth, let us pray. Our dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that God the Father gave his Son to come into this world to give his life for us. And our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those who do know him as their Saviour and Lord, and they have this joy within them. And Father, we just pray especially for those who do not know you, who do not experience this joy that you can give. May today they might turn to you for salvation and come to know you in a real and wonderful way. And so, Father, we, we pray for each one here this morning and those who are listening online, that indeed, as time goes forward, we will be able to experience the joy of the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.